This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 226. Round 1, Negotiations. Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Oh, it's so good to have you in the same room as me, Hunter. Oh, so welcome back to Arkansas. You're here. Here we are in the same room again, as it was meant to be. Uh-huh. So what happened was I got COVID, okay? <laughs> so I have the coronavirus. And let's just open it up with, I'm sure you, you hear, everyone hears enough about COVID every yeah, day. Yeah, sure. But maybe you don't. And I just want to put it out there that you can get that. So try not to. And you should care you know, about not having it, especially the week you get home for the holidays. Listen, if you listen to this show, you probably think that I am somewhere between sort of stupid and quite smart. Okay. Mm -hmm. You probably think I'm somewhere in that range of just barely stupid or actually a really smart guy. And I'm telling you. Wherever I fall in that spectrum for you, you know, if it's quite stupid, then whatever, just ignore me. But if you think I'm one of those people that thinks that I'm quite smart, I'm telling you, you can get that thing, okay? <laughs> it can happen to you. I thought I was too smart for it. I was like, you know, they <laughs> told me what works? to do. I would do it. I had no issues. I love being told what to do. Are you serious? Some guy in a lab coat saying like, all right, you got to do this and this and then you won't get it. Yeah. Easy peasy Super for great. me. I realize there's a lot of people that don't feel the same way. They need to be told several different ways and whatever. Mm -hmm. But I'm not what I didn't think I was one of those people. And I still got it. And I still and it's ruined by Christmas. My Christmas right now. Yeah. This is wel welcome to Hunter's Complain Corner. Right now, I am in this empty house in Arkansas, where I will be for I don't know the next. I think I think the next week. I think yeah. the next seven days, I will be here, and that that's through Christmas. Yeah. So hey, sorry the episode was late. <laughs> so sorry about that. Sorry, sorry. I guess sorry. Uh, yeah. I guess the holiday spectacular might be kind of weird too. I don't know. We're it's on the fly. Everything's happening on the fly. We're trying to figure it all out. So either my life will not stop melting down. <laughs> it will not stop doing that. And I I don't understand why it is. Yeah. Well, uh, today at the very least, Hunter, we have a, a, a Galactic Council episode, so we don't have to put in a ton of legwork. Uh, the Galactic Council gives us episodes that you and I don't have to prep, uh, which for the holidays, boy, thank you. Thanks, Galactic Council, for that. existing. Uh, yep. And and this month's Galactic Council episode, beating out the Sidereal Confluence uh, Coalition was round one negotiations. So uh, we are going to talk through that today and all of its Wait, implications. Wait, so well, hold up, hold up. Yeah, hold yeah, up. yeah, yeah. So the Galactic, so government failed. Government is what failed. you're telling me. Well, yeah. I don't know, did it? Or did, or is that just part of government? Well, is no, it? so, so, well, here's what happened. So a month ago in, you know, in the Galactic Council, yeah. which is sort of like a Congress, yeah. they made a deal on this one bill. Yeah. Okay. Right. And th they were like, we're going to pass this bill, but uh, on, on the condition that the second bill gets passed yeah then we get to second bill time yeah 
And somebody's like, well, is this good for West Virginia? You know, <laughs> and then no sidereal confluence. Exactly. Is what happened. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. Uh, and I can't promise we'll be putting sidereal confluence back in a future Galactic Council poll. I don't know. Because maybe we West will. Virginia hates it. Because West okay? Virginia really hates sidereal confluence. Uh, and they prefer just the boring nothing option. Just kidding. I'm actually kind of excited to do a round one uh, negotiations episode because we uh, it's a topic we've never like honed in on. And we talk about round ones a lot, but we haven't really ever kind of laid out like, what does it mean to like be bartering for this stuff? And why, like, what are you bartering for? And why are you bartering? And like, what's, you know, round one is significantly more complicated than just like take a couple systems and play your strategy card. Um, yeah, especially, sure. uh, I feel like in the TTS meta, people start like making <laughs> game long promises round one. Yeah, also, I, I think a goal of this episode should be to maybe, um, I, I feel like there's a lot of stuff that comes up with newer players uh, where they'll be like, ah, like I, like simple stuff that the community has kind of already decided what the, yeah. the value of certain things are. So you can just get through it really easy. We can cover really basic stuff like that, too, that I feel like gets kind of under talked about in the show. Definitely. Where we'll just kind of assume like, like I see it every once in a while, I'll see someone be like, Wanting to have X minus one re-explained, yeah. you know, like right. what is X minus one. Right. So that's an, we could take an opportunity to, uh, to explain that and to also kind of that. get into the minutia of it. Yeah. Too. So, well, let's start with a baseline. Hunter, um, in round one, as any faction, as anything, what are like your primary goals? And it can be like a checklist or it can be like a, well, number one, this, but then like number two, this, and then maybe number three or whatever, or, or however you think about it. What are the main things you're thinking about round one? Okay. So round one, I would like to, I mean, if we're, if we're going to start this general, then yeah. round one, I would like to score, or I would like to get the custodians. Gotcha. Um, what does that have to do with negotiations? Well, custodians, it could have a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, and depending on the objective, it could have a lot to do with it as well. Right. Um, right underneath that is fill out the slice. Yeah. And then underneath that would be trade with neighbors if possible. Yeah. Guess Those are probably the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would kind of the baseline for me is is generally that idea of like and this isn't as static anymore as maybe it used to be. But it's like I would like to take two systems ideally. Mm -hmm. I'd I'd like to get tech, but not every faction has that as an option. But I like the idea of scoring or setting up for custodians is absolutely number one and should be number one um, for for anybody. It, it, and and you can very quickly look at your position and look at everything going on and go, oh, scoring or custodians is out. So now I'll move on to the other goals. But every once in a while, you get objectives where it's like, nope. That's no, we will, we will not be scoring that round one, and we are not in a position to get that custodian's token. If I had done a fourth priority, I would have included tech and plastic. Yeah, yeah, just uh, just build essentially up for the for the for the coming rounds. So but I do think it is it is more important to because trade can be so um, like it. I think it has an outweighed influence on round one yes. versus the rest of the game. Right, the trade strategy card holder has a lot of power. And the timing of trade is important. And I think when we're talking about negotiations, timings is actually the number one thing we're talking about with with anything mm -hmm. going on in round one. Because there's everybody's trying to like make their money for trade, right? Y'all, I want to make enough right. money where I can build another carrier and get trade. I mean, get tech. Um, but more important than that is like 
well, I need to get the money before tech pops and then after tech pops, like I need to, like it, it always has so much more to do with the sequence of the strategy cards and getting to specific sentence uh, uh, systems and, and making specific neighbors and all of that. So when we talk about round one negotiations, I feel like the main purpose of all negotiations is getting things to happen in the right pecking order for your game. Uh, and generally that means doing things in the right order for someone else's game. Oftentimes when it comes to getting things to happen in the right order, your leverage points are uh, the timing of the, the strategy card that you have. Yeah. So some strategy cards don't lend a lot of weight to this idea. Right, right. Um, we've obviously got tech and warfare, the two biggest ones in round one. The timing of those can really matter a yeah, lot. Right. Um, this is also, I think, why you see a six-pick Diplo pick happen yeah. more often. It's not so much that people are picking Diplo round one because they're like, oh, I just need that raw value. That is part of it. But I often t find when someone picks Diplo, the rest of the table sort of looks at the Diplo person round one and is like, okay, so like, how do we get you to play this in yeah, exactly. the nicest way so we can all have like a great round one? Right. I think if your last pick round one and you're like, I can't... <laughs> Scoring is going to be hard. Uh, X, Y, Z, the tech is going to be hard. All these things are going to be hard. I think Diplo is is the better pick than construction uh, more often these yeah. days as last pick because you can sort of say, fine, it looked like... It, and this is a situation I'm describing kind of abstractly, but sure. imagine a table where like four of the players you're looking at it are going to be able to score round one, have a good time. One of them's going to score round one and get custodians. Yeah. Why not take Diplo and try and make yourself just as rich as they are? Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to be able to exceed their wealth, no, especially no. now that you've taken Diplo. You're definitely not going to be able to. But if you can take Diplo in in a way that ensures that you're going to have a lot more plastic going into round two, you're going to get tech in a way that you wouldn't have gotten it before. Yeah. Oftentimes, people are willing to play with you as far as timings go so yeah when it comes to timing negotiation the thing you need to look at is what strategy card do you have in front of you another special note for that one is politics so politics feels like a, a card that has no leverage when it comes to timing right because yeah. the secondary is rather unimportant the speaker token trade though if you have if you are sitting next to the right person with the right timing yeah you've kind of got a leverage there and yeah. you should always think about that right yeah the the diplo point is an interesting one to me too because i feel like uh, in strategy guides, when we do faction-specific strategy guides, anytime Diplo gets brought up as like a, oh, actually, this one could be a time where we, we like Diplo or whatever, the, the suggestion I always see that I really like is start talking to the table before you even grab Diplo. Like, work that oh, yeah. stuff out in the strategy phase. Like, hey, For I'm sure. considering taking Diplo. I'm not going to do it if you all don't make it worth my while, though. Like, I'm not going to be the one that gets screwed out here. I'm the one taking Diplo. So I can make everybody's life better if we all just make this stuff time out the correct way. But mm -hmm. that's the condition under which I take Diplo. I will not take Diplo if you're going to hose me or whatever. Yeah, I can't imagine a newer player being a little intimidated by the idea of like negotiating with two. Because it's like when you take Diplo, you're really just going to be talking to the the tech player and the player that took Warfare, right? Right. Uh, to try and make sure that the three of you make each other happy. Yeah. Um, it's a lot, that's kind of a big ask for a newer player to like negotiate with two others. But if you are playing in like a group where you know everybody else or you feel like you can handle that, I think I think the Diplo play uh, is, is worthwhile, especially uh, in a situation similar to what I was describing before. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
And the big thing, too, uh, within those timing negotiations, then, is, like, even literally the sequence of, like, your strategy cards themselves, right? Like, the two always being before the six, before the seven, and all of that. Right. And that's the thing that really gives the biggest hiccup to Diplo. So if you're, if you're talking about this Diplo thing, the biggest problem with Diplo is the idea that, like, you're a turn ahead of the two main people you're always wanting to talk to. You're always like one full turn ahead of them. It's sort of like right. the whole problem of always playing Nalu where it's just like round one is really rough for Nalu because you finish your round before everybody else and you miss out on timings all the time, which is why it's right. doubly important to like try to talk to people who like maybe they can stall for one round just so right. that then everything lines up in a way where like they pop tech, then you do Diplo so everyone gets their money back and then you do all of the next stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 manageable, but yeah, it can be a little stressful because you're you are the point person on yeah. uh, everyone else has a little more leverage than you have. Yeah. Diplo is just going to help people have an even better round one than they were going to have, but they can easily at some point look at it and be like, well, my round one was already going to be pretty good. So yeah. I don't need this like perfect Diplo timing or whatever. Right. You know? Right. So you do have to be careful a little bit. Something I'd like to do. I want to talk about custodians later because that's a big one. Uh, but honestly, I'd like to kind of burn through the objectives real quick of like the top objectives to look for as scorable round one, or maybe it's the inverse. I don't know if there's more that we think of as scorable than not, but it feels like there's a handful of scorable stage one objectives that can come out on the flop, the first two objectives to come out. Okay. And that like makes or breaks the round one for how people are going to like talk through stuff is there any that sure. come uh, immediately mind you to, to you or do we want to like burn through them and just kind of give like a yes no on each economic one? objectives yeah yeah are the economics most obvious ones. are the main ones amass wealth three resources three resources uh influence resources and trade goods that's like the easiest thing in the world mm -hmm. uh because almost everybody can definitely get three trade goods and then it's just like well okay i'm not teching this right like i'm going to use my home system to like pull this off now there's plenty of home systems that it's like you don't have the influence so you do have to find like extra trade goods on top of that but yeah any economic one is easy there's like random control ones that are easier than others um sometimes like i mean obviously we could, you could get so conditional for things like empty systems i don't know how many empty systems do you have near you um but the edge of the game board one is i feel like the the most complicated one and the one where you see the most negotiations start like immediately because uh the populate the outer rim have units in three systems on the edge of the game board other than your home system obviously includes each of your systems directly adjacent to your home system and then you have to get next to somebody else so there's no way for everyone to populate the outer rim round one and so your negotiations yeah. always have to start immediately when that one comes out because it's like, well, I need to talk to a neighbor about maybe them letting me do it this round and then I'll get out of their way so that they can do it next round. It, yeah, that one's kind of tricky. Um, I don't know. I don't know how to break that down. I, I feel like if like if we were to role play that one real quick, let's say I'm the player that's not getting to score at round one and you are the player right. that is getting to score at round one. Exactly. I feel like you owe me something more than just letting me score the point. For sure. Yeah, it's, it's it's you can you can try to word it as a point swap, but it's not because I'm the one with the point tempo now. I'm the one right. with a score in round one. I'm going to win one round earlier than you do. If you didn't have a point available to it, it's it's different if we both can find a point to score and we're just like, you do this one, I'll do that well, one. But when it's just like only one of us is scoring round one. Yeah, you won't. I owe you big time in that situation. 
I mean, I, I, I want to be completely clear because oftentimes in this situation in, in, in real life, in real Twilight Imperium, <laughs> what's happened is that, so let's say I, you're, you're sitting next to me, you, you can, you have the command counters in the ships to score it. Let's say I don't. Yeah. A lot of times people will frame that negotiation like, I'm going to let me score this round one, I'll let you score it round two, mm-hmm. and you can't even do it anyways. Right. So, like, you may as well just let me. I still think I'm owed something yeah. in that. I because agree. I don't have to cooperate and let my neighbor score a point round one. Because yeah. scoring a point round one is so important that I feel like that's just... that Now it's like, I, I don't even know if we're trying to teach people so much as I'm just, like, pointing out uh, a pressure point that I've noticed that that people don't and i'm not saying you can extract like unlimited value because that's the thing no. about round one is nobody has a lot of poker chips to play with at right. this point right everything is small numbers but it's funny because the small numbers mean a lot more in round one than they do in you know round four or round five right. Right. you know and it's all about setting up that tempo it's all about what we are setting ourselves up for so that our round two i mean if you have a horrible round one your round two looks significantly worse than everyone else's right. round two. Um, so yeah, the, there's a bunch of objectives that are like no go. I mean, tech objectives are kind of undoable. Um, you see intimidate council have some possibility. Uh, lead from the front is a funny one because uh, the person who gets leadership is always just like, okay, I I do this. I can do this easily. Um, but the, the last one I actually just wanted to call attention to because I feel like it's a it's a transition into something else to talk about. Push boundaries. Um, controlling more planets than each of two of your neighbors sets up right. the conversation of making neighbors round one. Because in future rounds, and the reason trade is a big deal and all that, is the idea that, well, in round one, almost none of us are neighbors. I mean, we start the game no, neighbors with absolutely nobody, and we might get one or two neighbors, or if the wormholes are just perfect, we can get a few more than that or whatever. And push boundaries becomes like the big question of like, wh- where are all the right planets and who's becoming neighbors? And how do you become neighbors with enough people to, to pull this stuff off? Yeah, honestly, uh, if someone's trying to negotiate push boundaries with me, I, I'm just going to kind of roll my eyes. I'm just rolling my <laughs> eyes even at the idea of talking about it right now, because it's like, yeah, if somebody can get push boundaries, they can get push push boundaries. Right. I don't I don't want to deal over that one. I get your three edge system yeah, thing. Yeah. But like because push boundaries so often comes down to how many planets you have in your home system. Right. It's, it's just it's like kind of just like some people have an innate advantage and they yeah. get to score push boundaries easily and some people don't, yeah. you know. Yeah, some people And then never also score even <laughs> Even if every every player at the table has a single plan at home system, then it comes down to okay, well, what what is your slice setup like? You know, who yeah. who has two two planet systems next to their home system, and then that third can go get some weird adjacency or something like that. I don't know for sure. But when talking about neighbors, then and talking about trade in general, is like why we start getting into stuff about trade ships. So like any faction that starts with a cruiser or a destroyer, basically has this potential to get more money than factions that don't have that. The ones that don't have, I mean, like, there's only a couple factions that don't have any form of trade ship, and they they are regarded as very bad factions because they don't have a way to make extra cash round one. Uh, Is that true? Is there, are there factions that don't have any, Yeah, that don't start with either a destroyer or a cruiser? Yeah, uh, Muat. Oh, right, of course. Yeah, but Muat has a way to get a trade. They have a way. Yeah, they don't get it a lot, do they, huh? Um, and then uh, Jolnar 
is two carriers and a dreadnought, and very often Jolnar oh. considers like not sending a ship way out instead like they're trying to use all of their ships for expansion and they don't have a way to move to like that's the big thing is having yeah the thing about jolnar though is there uh, they're they're always so worthwhile as a yes people will come to you yeah yeah that's true um but within within all of this like uh trade stuff then what hunter are your your thoughts on like um when do you go to them and when do they come to you? I guess that's that's the debate I always have is like I'm always trying to not send the trade ship out. Are you yeah. looser than that or Um no, I mean I think I think the person that sends the trade ship is the person that needs this trade to happen more mm-hmm. basically. Um and if you've determined that you and I mean it's weird cuz it's one of those things where if you try and talk to the other player about it to figure out who needs this more um, they're always going to say that you need it more. Yeah, sure. So you have to kind of decide this yourself. Like who needs this to happen more? Yeah. Um, or really, actually, I can frame it in an even more personal sense. If you are realizing that, well, this trade comes down to me sending a trade ship, I don't want to do it. You should just tell them that. Yeah. Just say, hey, if, if the only way this trade works is by me committing a ship to here, um, then, then I, I don't, I don't think I'm going to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and then if they realize that they need it, that much then they will that's when they'll say hey okay well i can spare the ship or whatever um oftentimes one of the things that i like about pok is that i feel like this whole trade ship thing in a lot of scenarios there's more reasons than not to want to send a trade ship anyways so i in 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 base game it was a real discussion of who sends the ship now i find people just 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 go get it it. but you do have to pay attention to just your own game and never send a trade ship because remember, anytime you send a ship anywhere, you're spending a command counter. So we're putting that value on the table. Exactly. And then you're going to do your trade. Um, now, math heads, I feel like, get way too invested in this type of thinking. Uh, and they forget the old adage of, you know, a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush or whatever. Sure. Uh, money now, especially round one, sometimes better than money later. Yeah. And if I'm spending a command counter... To make, as the math people might say, lose value, but I'm getting two crucial trade goods round one that I'm going to spend on doing X thing. Right. So worth it. Yeah. And obviously, I'm sure no one would disagree if I was talking about a victory point, but I even mean for other things. Yeah. Some crucial amount of plastic. Uh, A tech I was not going to be able to to research any other way. Tempo is so important in Twilight Imperium. And so the money that you have access to round one is uh, doubly important. Right. Yeah, you can spend that command counter, but if the one trade good you get out of the deal gets you gravity drive, that gets you the custodians next round, like yeah. it was and worth, the, it was the, worth the, it. the investment. Yeah. Like, give For me a sure. break. Um, well, that's funny too to talk about uh, the non-binding nature of round one because this is directly related to the neighbors question <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of people you aren't neighbors with and then, okay, it's the big question of what does the trade holder do round one? And we can we can define X minus one here. This is why X sure. minus one exists. Is yeah. uh, the trade strategy card. You get your own three trade goods. You replenish your commodities. And then it's got this tricky little bugger paragraph about uh, letting someone else refresh their commodity, replenish their commodities, I should say. And... Uh, 
it's if anything at this point that was a thing i was very excited about when uh twilight imperium fourth edition was like first announced and the longer things have gone on i wish that wasn't there i wish you just had to pay a command token i wish it would be simpler <laughs> if you just had to spend the command token and we didn't have to work through all of this i'll scratch your but back Matt, you scratch round mine. one would be so hard <laughs> it would be you, really hard yeah it'd it be would really... be a lot harder if every round every game you sit down in round one you're like i'm either gonna trade yeah or tech or warfare one of those three things is not happening right right um but so the idea is the trade holder gets all this power of deciding who gets replenished and i feel like a lot of groups in their in their infancy go through this process and we went through exactly this which is you start off and you're like well okay i have a lot of power here i'll play hardball and i'm only i'm only replenishing the exact people i can trade with and then some mm-hmm. time goes on, and you're like, oh, I realize I made a bunch of enemies. And so next game, you replenish everyone. Oh, the whole galaxy can get replenished. And then you realize, like, that boosted everyone too much. And the reason we've fallen into X minus one is because it has just come to feel out the idea that if you're getting replenished, like, you owe something. And yep. an X minus one is the easiest way to make some sort of value for the trade holder. X minus one meaning I will give you my total amount of commodities for the same number of trade goods minus one if i'm a four commodity faction i'll give you four commodities so you gain four trade goods but then you lose one trade good so you you only gain three but i'm also actually only gaining three in the end now if it's a commodity for commodity swap then the trade holder is is gaining a lot more than that so like the first trade the trade holder does is where they make a bunch of money and then every x minus one after that is just making a single dollar off of each transaction yeah well that depends on your attitude about commodity right. i mean i i would say that your commodities are a are a, a minimum value that sh- you should be i mean looking to get I, I mean obviously if you're on the other side of an x minus one you're not getting your max commodity value right. in trade goods but right. um i i I get what you're saying. It's it's hard. To, it's a weird thing to break down this one, actually, because it's very simple. Yeah. But I also feel like when you listen to people talk about this, it's easy to get like stuck in the weeds. I would imagine it like this. Who Whoever has the trade card can save you a command counter. Yeah. And then the community has decided that that saving you a command counter is worth one trade good apparently i think it's reasonable <laughs> i think it's very yeah. reasonable well I, it's a command counter for a trade good and basically. then from there and again this is a baseline this is not a rule we are intending to apply to all things evenly no because you can vary what i what i see is a lot of people will say um x divided by two instead of x minus one it's x divided by two so a four commodity faction owes you two bucks and uh-huh. Sometimes that's a stretch for me, but if you look at something like Jolnar, I get why people apply that kind of extra pressure on Jolnar, because sure. Jolnar has a killer uh, promissory note that they are going to get sold a few times this game. They're going to make all this extra money, so why am I just giving the easy deal to Jolnar? Well, the answer to that is always, well, someone might give them, someone else might give them the easy deal, and then you just lost out on value. But generally, you can get a table on board with the idea of like, hey, let's kind of like put a little bit of extra pressure on Jolnar because they're going to make all this extra money anyways. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. And I mean, I, I wouldn't X divided by two is so annoying to me because there's most Mostly factions three. are three commodities. Yeah. So then it begs the question of we rounding up or down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think, yeah, it's, I, it's, it's X minus one or some people do X minus two uh, for wealthy factions. 
Uh, and that's fine. I think X minus two is is not the worst thing in the world. I think I, I liked if I ask somebody for X minus two, it's because I've looked at their situation yeah, already. Exactly. And I know that they don't want to spend the command counter. Uh, maybe the money that they they need this money really bad. Yeah. So I asked for an X minus two because I because I've looked at it and it's like you have a little more need. So that means I'm going to ask for you to give me a little more uh, money. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. That's like um, my big uh, like thing that i can't grapple with as muat uh when i'm muat like should i accept the x minus two because they i mean a player like you hunter could look at me and be like hey i know you need money like i know you want to get that second war sun out at some point you would love to accrue as many trade goods as possible and i could just deny you any or you could accept the two and my side of it is like but i'm just this i'm just this muat right now with like none of my stuff unlocked you can get you can help me get somewhere. So give me the X minus one. Like just give me give me a normal deal for everybody else. I'm not crazy rich or anything, and I, I never know how that shakes out. Like I'm always very un not confident in that round one negotiation thing as Muat. I I don't I, I definitely don't do X minus two with Muat automatically. Yeah. I mean I would have to see like what situation that because I even the saving the money for the for the second war sun, I, I'm not yeah. thinking about that on round one. I'm just right. looking at like who can score, who can't score. Um, I would say probably Jolnar and Hakan. Yep. Hundred percent of the time I'm asking for X minus two. Yeah. Just always well, because I know that economically they're gonna get there. Hakan's the hilarious one because very early on we we did not know what oh, yeah, to do right. with Hakan. We were like all over the map with Hakan on how how harsh we want. I mean, I think we were like asking for X minus threes from Hakan at one point. And then there's I mean, the very, very first holiday spectacular we ever did, Sean was just like Give me four trade goods. I because I want them for nothing. I'm extorting you. You have to give me four trade four. goods. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Um, I I forgot to mention though, it is different with Hakan because Hakan does not need you to refresh right. commodities. Right. Um, oftentimes Hakan does end up trading with the person that has the trade strategy card because most of the time the person with the trade strategy card is going to trade with everybody that's possible. But on round one, actually, it doesn't really work out that way. Yeah. And you're going to probably end up trading with as Hakan. Uh, whoever the trade strategy card person can't trade with because of adjacency. Right. Um, let's talk about the idea of a debt token. This is also really basic. Yeah. Um, oftentimes on round one, you're going to offer X minus one to the whole table and whether you can trade with them right now or not. Right. Uh, and those that can't, they'll just give you a little, a little token. One of their little, one of their little flags used to, to mark that this planet belongs to me. And that just means that I owe you one. This is something we do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's, we do it. It's it is obviously abusable. Um, I have abused it for sure. Not not even I would say like intentionally, but just like sometimes you spend you try to spend all your money every round and you forget to save a dollar for the agenda phase to give to old so and so on the other side. There was a game recently. I think it was my Muat game. I don't know, but like it was like round five. I think it was maybe the round four agenda phase going into round five, and the person was finally like, "Hey, Matt." You still owe me a debt token from round one. <laughs> Will you please give me that? And I was like, oh, my God, I'm sorry. Yeah, here it is. Here. Sorry. Here. Here's here's the dollar. Um, and I do think that is the like when people do that kind of X minus one debt meta, as it's called, mm -hmm. um, when people do that. They're doing it for more than the value of the thing. At that point, they're doing it for the good graces and working the table. And they're doing it because of the social aspect of the game of like, hey, I want you to remember that I was like the friendly guy that helped everything. And I didn't I didn't fret about when you got me that dollar. You just owed me a dollar at some point and it's not a big deal. It's kind of the 
more economic way of doing the I'll refresh everybody to just refresh everybody is like, well, you've just missed out on a lot of value and you just threw money around the table and it feels a little kind of wacky. It feels wild to do that and to ask for a single trade good at some point is like the slightly more fair version of that same exact thing. I'm a little more of an attitude of I, I call in my debts. If you owe me something, I'm yeah. reminding you. Right. Um, and it's I feel like it's on me to get that money out of you because you said you said you was going to pay me. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I, I'm more inclined to remind people. And also, though, here's the other thing is if somebody owes you a trade good and then they don't have a trade good to give you. That to me just sounds like the new a new round of a new negotiation where i'm going to try and negotiate you give me something else that's yeah. better right now yeah you yeah. know what i mean my favorite thing is to turn debt tokens into not trade goods and it's like hey yeah i mean my yeah the, the best thing ever is when people especially with like two commodity factions where like they have trouble getting trade goods anyways you get sure. that debt token and it's like listen get me that Greyfire Mutagen promissory note. Get me that Sardak Noir promissory note. Like, like, let's make mm -hmm. it something else instead. I'm, I'm totally happy for that. We can wash your debt. And this debt becomes this, like, cloud hanging over the person's head of, like, you still owe me something. And if you can't make the money work, you can do something else for me. Well, and I think it's reasonable because it's like, I mean, they were given something, something for free, basically. Um, and now this token is just a representation of that. I mean, I'm always way more inclined to like uh, kind of trade trade the debt up into something better yeah. than I am to just wait another round for a single trade good. I would rather just have it resolved too because if you try and resolve the debt as quickly as possible, you don't run into the problem that you're talking about where it's round five and someone's yeah. like, hey, Matt, do you remember that trade good? Because now it's not. That was never a fair deal then <laughs> at that point. By the time yeah. I'm getting giving you a single trade good in round five, that trade good is not doing nearly as much as it did for me in round it's one. True. It's um, true. The money's more critical at the very beginning of the game. And yeah. as you go, the money is sort of less critical. I mean, it's it could still be critical. I it mean, can stage help. two economic sure. objectives exist. So, But there's a reason people don't take trade in round five, generally speaking. I mean, yeah. So um, Rando Calrissian uh, has some fun pre errata that's a, a lot of the same points, but I wanted to read it because it was it was some good stuff. Um, I, I have a different idea, especially with regard to trade uh, round one. I know it's very common for people to expect a refresh, be it X minus one or whatever, but I don't really agree with it. People say, you're cutting me out of trade a lot, but the secondary lets you spend a strategy token to refresh. Right. So that's not really what's happening. I see the trade strategy card much more as something that provides leverage for you to make favorable deals for yourself than a pool of money that gets shared out and you get the largest chunk. It's not the yeah. latter. It's it is leverage to get favorable deals. Um, if people expect a refresh and then get salty when it's not automatic, I still have to factor that into my actions because if you're salty, it doesn't matter if I think your salt is justified or not. It'll still Ooh. affect the game as a whole. I have no problem with debt meta and non-binding deals can be really useful round one. And I think that it, if you make the point that a refresh isn't guaranteed, then you can use the trade strategy card to get far more interesting deals done than a trade good and a wash from other people. Using a refresh, or even an X minus one to make neighbors, buy future use of promissory notes, or just as a sweetener on a deal you can't quite get over the line, can improve your game and the game of the other person without giving out too much value to the rest of the table. Okay, I totally agree. And what Rando is doing there for us is giving the sort of next level take. Yeah. What we are, what we've been describing with X minus one and debt meta in general is like, 
your meat and potatoes. This is just your most basic way of doing it. And I really like the point Rando was making there about that, <laughs> that you get to refresh yeah. regardless. Right. Like you're getting an opportunity to do that thing in the game. It's just that a lot of the times people assume that they're going to get to do it for free and they shouldn't assume that. Right. And you, you just shouldn't, right. um, you give up your leverage if they are assuming that, that they get to do that for free. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think Rando's making a great point there, which is like, perhaps the refresh round one can be an even sweeter opportunity uh, for trade. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I totally agree. Rando's well, good. Rando's good. And I love the point too of I, your salt doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if I think your salt is justified. Like if it oh, makes totally. you mad, then we have a we have a meta problem. And that's something I run into all the time because I, for a while, was really trying to avoid any sort of debt meta or anything like that. Like I really just didn't want to do it. Um, but all these people have these expectations and they get mad when you don't do it. And then it bites me later. Um, and I was not getting any, so, like, you know, if I don't do a, a really comfortable debt meta X minus one for you later, it's not about the idea that you owe me a trade good later. It's about you won't make me a decent little trade offering in round two. And that's what I was always missing out on. If I, if I played a hard, shrewd trade strategy card holder in round one, round two, I would be the only person left out because I was mean last round and they would right. do debt meta with everybody else, but they wouldn't yeah. even give me a chance to do it. It's like, no, you, you cut me out last round. I'm cutting you out now. And that always hurt. That hurt too many times where I was like, I have, I have to just play ball. Like I have to play nice meta because it's the well, way to be fair to though, Matt, even in, in, the, in the situation you're describing, you're describing it like this, like, Oh, it really sucked. What you did to the other person is much worse than what they did to you. Actually. Yeah. You actually hurt them way more because it was like, just one. because they hurt you then on round two, sure doesn't mean that somehow this is a worse situation for you. Sure. You you I denied you them did the worst thing. round one or whatever. Yeah. No, absolutely. Do we have any um faction considerations within this? I'm looking through Priorata right now and and mm -hmm. I see I uh, I see there's a whole conversation we could have. And honestly, I mean it's like people could go listen to the Empyrean episode, but Sad says um, as Empyrean, I like dark, dark pacting four commodity factions because it means they'll be more likely to spend a token to keep the gravy flowing. So mm -hmm. do we want to talk about dark pact for a second within all of this? Um, yeah, I'm I'm good with talking about dark pact. Dark pact is, you know, that one that Empyrean has that, that it wants to be sold yeah. round one. Just the the math of it is sell it round one has a high value and kind of puts you in bed together. Dark pact is a. Uh, you play it in your play area, and then now every time you give all of your commodities to Empyrean, you both get an extra trade good. Yeah. I believe um, is the exact, uh, not the exact wording, but that's, that's, the, the, that's the process. Those, that's yeah. all the And that does processes. two things, too. We talked about already, we've talked about the idea that timings matter a lot. So Dark Pact is a stall, and sometimes that's incredibly important. The idea of you're Could giving be, this yeah. Dark Pact to someone mm -hmm, who then mm -hmm. it helps them stall tech so that everyone can get the trade before the tech happens and then we do tech or whatever. Right. But there was some debate in the pre errata about whether or not Dark Pacting a four commodity faction is better or worse. Are you lifting the good factions up too much by hitting a four commodity faction or should you try to get it to two or even three commodity factions? Um, so in a generic way, I think that it's smart for the reason that Stads is saying. Yeah. It's it's always wise to make a rich buddy. Right. Um, and and I, that's why I feel like sometimes people get a little caught up on Dark Pack because they kind of want like, they want some sort of extra added value on it. But the value is yeah. that one of your rich neighbors 
loves you yeah right <laughs> wants yeah. to be your buddy all game long right like that is good enough yeah that is awesome now let me get into so now just come with me to my little nook hunter's nook this is the type of stuff that i've been playing a lot uh in my head whenever i play so the idea of looking at my neighbors as empyrean and saying okay so we got jolnar over here that's cool um I, i'm sure me and jolnar could do this i get a lot of extra tech but what what faction could I pick that I'm next to that would upset the general balance of this game mm -hmm. more than usual? You know what I mean? Like right. who who could I possibly empower? And because the thing about Jolnar or Hakan or fill in the blank, whatever rich faction you want to put next to yourself as Empyrean, if you make them rich, okay, cool. They're gonna be richer than they were normally. That's in that's not to me it's 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 always going to help you in a, in a really reliable way. But what's a faction that like shouldn't be rich. Yeah. And now I'm going to make them rich. Right. Through our partnership. Somebody like, um, well, I'm just going to say that Sardagnor for starters, uh, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe Muat even yeah. like, what if right. Muat is my special buddy? Yeah. I guess Muat's a four commodity faction. So that doesn't really work as well. Uh, Barony of yeah. Letnev, right. uh, L one Z one X. Factions like that, that like, if their economic engine gets out of control, they start just in general getting out of problem. control. Yeah. And and in a situation where I've picked one of the little guys to empower, I have way more leverage in that relationship yep. than the rich uh, faction getting richer right. kind of deal. Right. Uh, the other part I like about Stad's thing is the idea of specifically picking four commodity factions because they will spend a token to get that money. It, it mm -hmm. now becomes an obvious deal for them. Um, right. when neither of you are the trade strategy card holder. And and I've seen it in other people's Empyrean games where trade just doesn't... I've seen the, the dark pack recipient just not get refreshed, right? Um, because the trade holder can look at it and be like, if I refresh you, you're getting all this extra value. And it's not just you getting value. It's you and Empyrean getting value. Yeah. And the two of you don't want to trade with me. So when right. you have dark packed, it automatically makes you less likely to get refreshed for free by the trade holder. Because That's you are true. the person it, who doesn't want to be... You don't want to do deals with the trade holder. You want to do deals with Empyrean, like explicitly. That's true. It can be That can be a slightly deceptive point, though, Matt, because you've also, in giving Dark Pact out, now there's two people at the table that are effectively you as far as trade. Right. You know what I mean? Like, right. you've also doubled the amount of people at this table that are definitely refreshing you for free. Right. And like, you know what I mean? Like, right. it's a, it is a problem that can arise. Uh, and there's still four other people. So that's still four people that could take trade and do this. Um, I just feel like oftentimes in the practicality of an Empyrean game, uh, you're going to want to take trade a lot. And yeah, then if yeah. you don't take trade, so will the other person. Right. That's true. Well, cool. Um, So I feel like it is a point in time at which we need to, we've, we've put off talking about custodians for a while and it seems like that's the other yeah, that's big <laughs> negotiating factor. And if anything, I think that's where the meta is, is like leaning more into right now. And I hope it leans even more into it of the idea that like someone is going to get custodians, probably not round one, but sometimes, round one mm -hmm. but usually not round one but someone's going to take custodians first action around two and we should stop in the same way that we should stop thinking everyone's trade should get re replenished automatically off a of trade we should stop like treating custodians like well it's just a thing someone's definitely going to get like that's a sellable thing like in selling timings and moving the speaker token wherever you want like you can crown the custodian point getter like you you can make that happen
Sure. Well, let's be careful not to overstate sure. this point, though, because I don't want to make it sound like there's a million opportunities to do this. There's yeah. plenty of games where this just can't happen. Yeah. Where there is no deal to be made. Right. So I don't want to encourage a bunch of people to be like, oh, okay, let's talk about this for a long time, but actually yeah. it's just not possible because it's not going to work out because the person with the speaker token in round two is just going to get it. Yeah, right. Let's talk about what are what are our pressure points? Where What, what are the things we should look out for if we're like... Because here's the thing. If you're not going to get custodians... You probably shouldn't care who gets it. I mean, I mean, there's some factions where you're probably like, I don't want that. Yeah. I don't want them to get it. But um, you should probably think of it more like, all right, well, there's no way for me to get it. Is there a way for someone else to get it with my help yeah. where they owe me money? Exactly. That's value that's right it. there. Right. That, yeah. That's that's the point at which this becomes a negotiation. When right. everybody is a faction that is not getting gravity drive and Argent got warfare round one. Like, let's we're done. So that we we've already crowned the custodian sure. holder. Like, yeah, it's over. That's done. But that's done. in any, in many other games, like, so the 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 key points to look out for are who's going to get gravity drive? Because the idea with gravity drive is you expand one forward this round, and the next round you have two movement to go from the system in front of your home system straight to Mechatol Rex, right? So there's all right. the people with that. That's like the most basic prerequisite. The person who had warfare round one potentially also joins that category because they could end up adjacent to Mechatol Rex round one. Honestly, Matt, that's the, in in the strictest sense, that's the only person I would be looking at. Yeah. Because whoever gets the speaker token round one, what do you, I mean, besides selling them the, let's say you have politics and you are selling them the speaker token. I don't, I mean, I feel like we don't need to explain no. that. Yeah. Like that's, that's simple. But the only person I would really be looking at in most games to check is there a custodian's deal on the table would be whoever has warfare round one. Right. Because they, all they need, and this is a lot, but all they need is the, the six and some ability to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, if you are the person with tech, perhaps you are able to pop tech in such a way as to, Hey, now you can get gravity drive after you've done the warfare primary and go there. But even still in that situation, you need the money. Yeah. The the faction I want to call out the most that I think in in a very specific situation can help a lot is that Cabal promissory note, yeah. to be honest. Right. That seems like something that should be out there as a consideration of like, all right, I'm going to try and sell this to so-and-so for the point. Yeah. But the one thing I hate about this, I remember we talked about this a while ago, Matt, as a, as a potential thing. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I think we're talking about a situation that just doesn't come up that much because... They still got to have six. Yeah. They still got to have, have the six And that's monthies. actually hard. Yeah. That's pretty hard. And also it makes it hard to deal with them because they need that six in order for this deal to work. So you are kind of limited. Like, yeah. let's say, let's imagine a situation where they have eight trade goods for some reason. I don't know why they would have that yeah. and warfare. Let's say they do. I can only ask for two. That's all right. I can ask for. Right. So I ask for any more. There's no point in doing this deal. Right. So that's what's kind of hard about it. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. It's it's the the money always matters. I feel like that's the reason you so often see custodians become just sort of this like, well, all right. And so so and so is going to get it is because they're they're the only ones with the money, <laughs> the one right. the money and the range. Like you do need a lot to get custodians, and some factions just get handed that on a silver platter. Um, right. There's also the Mahawks conversation kind of to have, which is that totally. Mahawks uh, a Mahawks can get custodians round one quite reliably uh, mm -hmm. because they start with a green and a yellow tech and all they're a red skip away from just getting cruiser two round one 
uh, their home system is five influence, so they could potentially just go there. But more importantly, their uh, agent allows them to unlock someone else's fleet, thus giving somebody else warfare, right? We just talked about how, like, well, you got to keep an eye on the warfare person because they have this totally. extra benefit. Everyone comes to Mahawk's table round one. That ability is great all game long, but round one, that is a game maker ability. That is a, I can crown a custodian's person if I want to. I can get totally. anybody that maybe wasn't thinking they would get it. I can guarantee Nalu <laughs> the the chance to to do custodians next round. Well, and we should also talk about Nalu. Nalu yeah. can sell the zero token round two, which is, they're probably the most effective at selling custodians basically right. as an idea because you don't have to pack in any of the extra value of getting them to six because they're going to get it the normal way at the beginning of round two so yeah i feel like you can uh i feel like selling gift of the prescience round one should become far more common i believe we said that in our recent nalu episode but yeah. it it i think it's worth restating it yeah uh that you are you are the most effective at, at selling uh custodians now you have to be on the lookout for a situation where I mean, it comes up with certain factions. We just talked about Argent. There's uh, there's other factions that can pull it off, especially if Mahawk is in the is at the table. Also, remember Asarl. If Asarl and Mahawk are at the table, we've got two of those yeah. annoying agents right. available. Right. Um, so in that situation, I would find it very difficult to read who is actually going to get custodians. Yeah. Um, the the most fun games are the ones where round one custodians becomes a question uh, a question, and sometimes it's like totally random, but. There are a handful of factions that are reliably round one custodians factions. Um, mm -hmm. but the main ones that come to mind for me are Mahakt, Nasroka, a little bit. Nasroka is probably lower. I'm bringing them up too soon, but Nasroka start with uh, Psycho Arc and AI Dev. So if there's right. a yellow skip in their slice, they can also get Cruiser 2. Now, they don't start with a Cruiser, so they have to get a Cruiser and right. have the six influence to take Mechatel around. So theirs is a little bit less. Um, but then also Sar. SAR can very easily get gravity drive. If they make money as they expand, they can almost always get the six influence they need to do Mechatol round one. And they're right. just, they just need, oh, they, oh, and they have their agent. They don't even need gravity drive, right? So they like, totally. SAR can 100% do Mechatol almost every single round one if they, if they want to, if that's where they want to go. Sometimes it's just a, de a decision of SAR decided to like eat their neighbor instead of do Mechatol round one. True, true. I I feel like in in those situations, yeah, it's like look for that, find that, and then see if you can get a little taste. See yeah. if you can get uh, a little money to help uh, grease the wheels. I, I also wonder how often a, this situation like this might come up where it's not that the player in question can get to the custodians and take it, yeah. but could they get to the custodians token with a big enough fleet? Right to actually prevent anyone else from taking it round two yeah. and then take it themselves later. Right. So be on the lookout for that possibility. Yeah. Um, I feel like an L1 could do that somewhat. Um, who else could probably I was gonna do call that? I mean, Titan and, Titans and Argent are also some, some viability for round one, but they're even more mm -hmm. viability for what you're describing of. They get there, maybe, maybe they don't bring much or they don't have the influence to take it this round, but they can park a couple cruisers or a couple uh, you know, Argent destroyers or whatever, and and maybe hold it that way. Yeah, it's it's tough because you got to really calculate it because it's like you need to you need to be looking at you know where they are at in speaker position as well because if they're like last, then it could be that someone makes an attempt, fails, and then a second person makes an yeah, attempt right. and does not fail. You <laughs> right. know, it it's it, it, it's a bit of a tricky one. Um, <laughs> 
So, yeah, I don't know. You have to look at the board state and then find opportunities to sell custodians. But I do think it, I think it comes up in some games and players uh, miss the opportunity. And I include myself in that. I think I've missed the opportunity to uh, influence the custodian's ownership. You should think of it as the, the whole early game is just about who gets the custodians. Yep. That's all. That's yeah. like the main concern. Yeah, the the we, we started this episode talking about objectives and it's like, yes, the objectives can can come up um, and and when they do like, you know, Hunter and I in commentary in a tournament, like that's all we're talking about the whole round is like who's going to score, who's going to score. Um, but the the thing that is always talked about every single game is who's building up the path to get the custodians for their guac point, their free point that they didn't need to score an objective for. Right. And another thing I want to I, I want to bring back up uh, the diplomacy card. The diplomacy card I think is kind of underrated right yeah. now. You actually you, over, you one... think you think warfare is overrated, and you think diplomacy is underrated at this point. I think is, warfare. Is yes. thing. <laughs> uh, those are my feelings. I think warfare is overrated round one, and I think diplomacy is underrated. I think if you have diplomacy in your hand, you can potentially sell custodians. You you can't get it yourself. Yeah. Right. Because yeah. you're pro- you're late in pick. There's no. I mean. I I'm, I don't want to make it where diplomacy is now overstated. I still think it's like a diplomacy is like yeah. a fifth or sixth. Yeah, pick. yeah, yeah. Um, so, but if you have diplomacy in your hands, you can potentially sell it to a new custodians person if some of these other things that we've talked about have been met. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Are there any other like special faction consider considerations we have to make? You know, we could talk about like Mentac, but honestly, I don't think Mentac's pillaging actually comes up as a as a major deterrent round one because they're not neighbors with anybody. Um, Asarl agenting is always like a crazy thing, but like we could get, we could lose ourselves in the weeds of too many faction considerations, but I didn't know if there was any like final big name. Um, fa- oh, I didn't bring up Winu in a round one Mechatol thing. Obviously Winu, uh, with the right tech timing and, uh, warfare can, me- can, mm-hmm. can just take Mechatol cause they don't need the, yeah, but do you want to sell it to Winu? Yeah, no, that might be a little scary. Yeah, nobody, me. you shouldn't work with that Winu player is the realistic thing. That should, that should not I be mean, a thing the table wants. You should, you should just ask for a high price. Yes, right. Set a high price for right, it. Right, right, I'm thinking Alliance or something like that. Yeah, right, right. Some, some non-monetary value of, but like actual raw power. And, and, and the other thing too is with that one, you got to look at, you know, who else is at the, who, who else is at the table? Because you would want to manipulate the situation to, to where Winu gets to take Mechatol Rex, but then there is a, a rival that will, could, could unseat them. Uh, because you know, a Winu on Mechatol Rex round two is not—it's not the most guaranteed uh, position. Yeah, I don't know if there's a Muat in the, tab- at Muat, the table. Muat, a lot of factions, even with the plus two, Winu generally can't get very many units to Mechatol Rex round one. So it's yeah, not like it's but a big the other force. thing is you got you got to work into your calculation. Is like, are these other factions going to move quickly? Because yeah. that's the problem with the Winu plus two is that it eventually makes it unworkable with any amount of plastic it's just like well that plus two and all those fighters there i mean it looks stupid but they're all hitting so i don't know what to do right you know right well i i feel like we've covered the gist of like the basics of round one negotiations this this feels like a good episode to me yeah i i think it does feel like a good episode uh is there anything is there anything else in your noggin at all or any other pre errata we I, have? I have one other. On I do have point. one final pre errata that I think oh, is yeah. worth noting in, in at this point. And this this is a meta dependent thing, but I still think it it matters and that people should consider. And this is from Peter H. Uh, my one note would be to not talk about things 
too early or too much. Unless something is immediately relevant to your actions in round one, don't talk about it in round one. Don't get a reputation for wasting time. And if you don't know what you want from a trade or don't expect the other person to be able to pay what you want, don't bring it up, <laughs> even more so than in other rounds. I think it's important to tra for trade to be concise and purposeful. And more than in any other round, it's easy to make the mistake of not doing that. Yeah, I think that in general, when, when, people, are, when people are talking in Twilight Imperium on, on TTS, I think it should be about proposing a, a price or making an yeah. offer and then rejecting or accepting. Yeah. Um, instead, we get into this kind of like, I don't know, kind of wiggle room used car salesman world, right. which is actually hilarious and kind of great sometimes. <laughs> the problem you can run into is like, sometimes people are just trying to play a game. I don't know. A lot of right. the times when I'm trying to play, I want it, I, I want to try and get in under six hours, right? you know? Right. And I, and if that means that it's going to screw up someone's style of play, right. ah, it's hard to feel too bad about that. Yeah. It's like in, we, in a tournament we, setting, no, we love oh, Kraken. Course. In a, in a tournament setting, we love Kraken. And when you play with Kraken in a not tournament setting, Kraken doesn't go crazy. <laughs> like Kraken, yeah, Kraken can be a normal dude. He brings, he brings a special game to the tournament because it's the time that you're allowed to do that. Right. You have a stage to yeah. do with what you will. You know, I completely understand that. I'm just talking about in your in your normal yeah. everyday game. For sure. You know, yeah, it's if if we can get down to to prices and and just and, and just re and, th and that's I think why yeah. why we have things like X minus 1 is right. is the point is for there to be a norm set so that the game takes less time. Yes. Now, you do not have to respect norms like they are just like yeah. absolute and there's no straying from them. But also be aware of the norm so that if you want to change it a little bit, you can say, hey, normally it's the X minus one. I'm going to say I'm going to alter the deal just a little bit. I know there's the norm. Here's my here's my right. thing. Do you want to take that or leave it? Right. Basically that I mean, that's always the hardest part of like playing with like maybe let's say two brand new players is like there's four people with all these assumptions. And then there's one new player at the table being like, I'll refresh you and give you a trade good. And it's like, well, hang on, slow down. <laughs> Please, this is quite a disruption to what's being talked about. So let's let's slow down a little bit. Yeah, and you know what? That's that's actually a really good note, Matt. Whenever you're playing with a newer player, chill. I think you should just keep the deals standard. Yeah. Don't don't like if the if the new player is like, I want to get all creative with the deal making and stuff. Just let them know. Actually, a lot of times newer players reject this stuff. They yeah. just say you're lying to me. Yeah, nobody ever wants to trust you. I, I think the tactic with newer players is to sort of go along with them, but also in, like encourage them to find a solution quickly. It's it's not about telling them what your rules are. It's about like, listen, we could spend all day with this and we should probably just find something quickly. But like for a lot of people's first or second game of TI, like it's the adventure of this is the big game that's supposed to take all day and like the everything's negotiable and all that. So right. like, it's hard. They to, want their creativity. They to want be, their creativity. And yeah. you should, the point is, you know, it, it's so hard when experienced players are playing with like brand new players because we have all these assumptions about how negotiations are supposed to shake out and things can go wildly different. And I think sometimes you have to just take the stance of like, well, let's let them, do their thing like Hunter and I have this issue, uh, you know, d decently often, not all the time these days, but where like the two of us step on each other's feet all the time <laughs> within negotiations because we just like we have our eye on each other. And we've been like actively for like a year trying to work ourselves out of like constantly 
renegotiating each other's deals and 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 like how we think about how the other person is playing a newer player. I think um, early on in TI4, we would have like a brand new player and we both were like, you're just completely trying to screw them over. Like you're completely taking advantage of them. And Well, and because like you were, Matt, and I never was. Uh, you you always just, you know, it's like you sell them. We've clearly sell, solved this problem. You sell them like a, a car with salt or with sugar in the engine or whatever. You know, it's like, that's the, that's the kind of stuff that you do. And meanwhile, my philosophy is with the new player, I just put a handicap on myself, which is like whatever silly stuff they come up with that is really bad for me deal-wise, I generally try and say yes to. Yeah. Like, I'll be like, this is a bad deal for me, but okay, let's do it. It's right. fine. But, and then you're just like trying to trick them and ruin their day <laughs> and like get win this game off of them. And it's, it's not, you know, it's not ethical. It's immoral. <laughs> and I'm just not willing to engage with that kind of stuff, you know? I have a strong backbone, yeah. a backbone that is riddled with COVID. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank our weird pairs. Big Al Cappuccino, Squeamish Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kaluin, Son of Leto, Istoria, Alice, Ms. Emlachevsky, Sunfax, Absol, R-Wise, Fancy Zealing, and T.G. Welch. And I want to thank our little peace turtles, Patience is a Virtue. My son is also named Bor, Anvilier, Sturmy Stern, Boo Poo, Dober, Hwawa, Frank G, Gazkio, Goondock, Rekka, Jaddy M. Jedi, Carnal, Rolo, Uncle Batty, and Teddy's Jam for you. Awesome. Uh, Homebrewers Guild game. It will happen. Yeah. Um, don't know. Don't know when. Don't know how. It won't. Be, I mean, well, I know this, how. At this point, I, I think we have to start looking at non-weekend because people have got holiday breaks and stuff. Like, I feel like it needs true. to be like 27th, 28th, 29th, something like that. Something like that. It will probably come together really quickly, and I apologize for that. Yeah. Um, but my life has been upside down, topsy-turvy, real bad lately, and I just got to a point where I can just, like, sit and think and work, Boy, and that's boy it. Boy, Hunter, you sure can do a lot of that, specifically right now. <laughs> you know, I would say that's all I can do right now. You're like trapped in a house alone with nothing else to do I am trapped in work. a house alone with Christmas... <laughs> sharply approaching like xmas and xmas eve is right around the corner yeah and i will be spending it in this room by myself yeah with my family uh, avoiding me utterly um <laughs> uh those homebrewers guild uh subjects are strategy cards and secret i think i think you've cut off strategy cards but secret objectives is there still yeah if you want to throw more in? secret objectives in there um go ahead and throw them in next time you hear from me i promise uh i'll either have already done the game yeah. or it's like uh, we will be announcing the, the exact date yeah, yeah. so yeah, don't worry about um, it. Try to. I'm hoping the holiday spectacular is this uh, coming weekend. Uh, so next week's episode will be kind of our general slow episode where we just with the people that played the holiday spectacular, we talk through the game. It's Twilight Imperium Survivor. I'm very excited. I've been working very hard at, on it. Uh, I want to give a yeah. shout out to DJ 38s, who is a fellow Survivor fan who um, I got to spend like a whole day prepping survivor ideas with them and we were bouncing fun survivor ideas off of each other so this game whenever and however it actually happens should be very 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 fun like it's it's kind of the the ti game i uh maybe have am most excited to be a part of and i'm not even playing in it but like i'm i've never been more excited for a game of ti than this one um, yeah i'm hoping it's the 26th but hunter has covid <laughs> so uh, <laughs> i don't know oh so, yeah we'll see we'll uh, see how that goes 
You can rate our show on Apple Podcasts and iTunes or wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star rating. It really helps out the, you know, algorithms. We all know what algorithms are these days. Uh, so also, spacecatspeacetotals.com for more information about our Patreon, our Twitter, our Discord, our merch. Uh, you can buy the new awesome shirt that is uh, Titans of Ol wearing a Gundam armor uh you can become a galactic council on our patreon and vote for episodes like this uh you can also send us uh this imperium life or play of the week stories to space cats peace turtles at gmail.com and hunter i've got a little play of the week from you from our buddy rwise yay rwise my my new uh best in irl friend yeah uh, <laughs> soon because i'm i'm coming to new york well it's it's perfect because this is a new york set game um i had my first and probably last eight player irl game the last game of the new york city ti4 league season uh after nine hours the first stage two flipped conquer the week it was clear that the game would thankfully end uh and it this would be the last round I had played a pretty violent SAR, with much of my plastic smashed against wars with nearby Barony and Nazroka, but was still looking great as I was able to nab Imperial. Being SAR meant I had been cut out of support swaps, but it also meant I somewhat easily took the Nazroka home system for the second time that game. <laughs> Inevitably, the table worked together to slay me off of it before I could pop Imperial. Uh, this included the Mentak hero, war funding, cavalry, Teklar Legion and the Thundarian to re-roll the very last round of ground oh combat to God. flip it. <laughs> I was distraught and salty, and at that point just wanted the game to end. I even offered my support to other players at nine points, but they wouldn't take it. I just Too had much to integrity. sit there. <laughs> I just had to sit there for another hour till the next in line was crowned. But as everyone else went through things and I stewed, I saw a window. I could maybe draw an action phase secret with dark energy tap, even though all I had left was my lone flagship in the Nexus and a random destroyer. So I sent the destroyer to the frontier and got a colorless relic fragment, which was useless with my one green fragment. All was lost. Except in the meanwhile, the Nalu had taken the Nomad home system and through a series of convoluted and incomprehensible secret deals, also gotten the Nomad ceasefire from Barony. So when Nomad attempted to liberate Arcturus, his hopes were dashed by the ceasefire. This opened another glimmer (laughs) of hope. I offered Nomad my support for the throne so that they could end with one more point. All I asked for was their single green relic fragment. Even though not so long ago he had thrown everything he had to help in the effort to stop me, he made the deal. I purged the fragments and top-decked Shard of the Throne for the 10th point. The best part was the game ended immediately, so we didn't have to play out any more endgame slaying for another That's grueling so hour. Funny. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> That's like the best play of the week we've had in like, oh wait, we just brought it back. But that's a really good one. It's a that really good rules. one. My favorite thing is when TI games devolve into everybody just wanting it to be over. The finals of the Invitational are the best example of that, where it's like, yeah, we spent the entirety of round five wind slaying deft only for around six to be like, I guess we'll just hand it to Deft. I'm sick of playing. (laughs) Okay, then what were we doing last round? Why does this matter? Like, we're just going to hand points out? Okay, fine. But Sometimes people win slay, and in their heart, I think they're expecting to lose. mm -hmm. Like, they're like, I'm going to win slay, but I hope 
that I don't actually have a shot. I yeah. just want to win slay. Right. And it's like, it, I don't know. If you don't have a plan for winning, then don't win slay. Right. Like, <laughs> you don't you, you don't have to win slay every time as if it is some sort of, as if you will get in trouble if you don't do right. it. That's right. how some people act sometimes. I'm just like, nah. Yeah. I've had games where I just was like, I crossed my arms and I said, I got nothing. Yep. And I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm, I'm over not, it and I would like, like to go but, home. They're like, but so-and-so's going to win. And I'm like, Yes, Someone's they gonna, are gonna win. Someone's they gonna played, win. <laughs> they played good, and so they win. I will not. Man, I, I've if, had mahawked games that were like that because yeah. I'm so bad at mahawk. Sure, but then you get to the final round, and everyone's like, "Mahawk, give us all your goodies. Yeah. Come on, we need you." And yeah. I'm just like, "Ah." No. But I don't think I win. Yeah, and, I, and, and in the good. world where I could win, I don't have the heart to do it. Yeah, that's why I say to people, I don't have the heart. To play that game where I just barely win this time. That's I'm exactly, not like patience. That is exactly our Muat and Asarl recent game that I ended up technically winning. But it was like the dumb things that we had to go through that resulted in my win didn't make any of it feel satisfying. And it just took an hour and a half. And I would have rather just crowned Hunter the winner and felt pretty good about my position than gone yeah, through but Matt, the rigmarole. You needed that win, buddy. <laughs> but you didn't, needed but it that didn't win. Give me anything. I need. I, I know a win that's that I earned with, on my Matt, merits. That's the thing. That's the thing. Is it's never gonna be good enough. <laughs> never You're never gonna, gonna be satisfied. <laughs> it's it, it's it's just that's how that's how it works for you. Here's how I will be satisfied. Survivor Twilight Imperium. I'm Jeff Probes. I don't even play. I just get to make all the rules. That is the true way to play Twilight Imperium. I win. Everyone else loses. <laughs> that is. That is kind of the theme of the show, yes. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>